This is the Scott Bradley Show podcast. Let me um, let me get on with uh, with Don here. Joins me now, Dundas Real McCoy's president and associate coach, and I don't know. You've got other titles there as well. Comp Choice Realty, a variety of multitudinous other things you're involved in in the town of Dundas. Thanks for coming in, Scott. Thank you. The news uh, today. Now, I want to say this first of all. Have you ever seen the picture? Have you ever seen a picture of the owner of the what was the Raider, the Oakland Raiders? Have you seen his haircut? <laughs> no. For a guy who is worth the kind of money that an NFL team owner is, you would think that he would be able to afford a proper haircut. This is, honestly, among sports people, the worst haircut that exists on the planet. I'm just saying, go look it up. But the Raiders are in the news today because it was announced there was a vote of NFL owners, and by a vote of 31 to 1, it was approved that the Raiders are going to be moving to Las Vegas in the next couple years, maybe three years. Who voted against them? San Diego? Miami, which I have not yet heard a reason why Miami has a beef with them going to Las Vegas. And maybe Miami's concerned that their players on a week trip to Las Vegas is going to be a problem. I don't know what the reason would be. I really don't. Then it would have been zero to 30 if that was the case. But here's my question for you. Um, We know that starting next fall, the Las Vegas Golden Knights are going to be launching an NHL team. And I got to believe that the people behind the Golden Knights were figuring we can have this market to ourselves and make some inroads and build some NHL fans and some hockey fans and really make something happen here before some other pro sports team decides to want to arrive in town. How honestly, how damaging even if the even if the Raiders don't arrive for 2 or 3 years. You've got to know that the fact that it was made official today the, equip- the the merchandise is going to start being peddled and people are going to start following the Raiders in preparation. How damaging is it to the NHL team that they now officially have zero alone time in Las Vegas? I don't think the NHL have got anything to really worry about. Look at uh, the <clears throat> Phoenix Coyotes face the same thing and look at how successful they've been. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, I thought you were being—I thought you were being serious for a second. No, but sarcasm is my middle name. But the—it just seems like it's a disastrous result for the NHL. Here's the difference. First of all, the guys that bought the NHL team didn't spend five hundred million Close. U.S. because they're stupid. So they would have done lots of surveys. They would have done lots of interacting. I think some of that would have included what if there is an NBA team here, or what if there's an NFL team here. But I don't think there would have been a lot of strong sentiment towards that kind of a thing. And so they probably poo-pooed it. But the difference with going into Vegas versus going into uh, Minnesota, in Vegas you almost have to uh, invent hockey fans and train them how to be hockey fans. The NFL will have no such trouble. No. The absolutely instantaneous. All kinds of people go to Vegas to bet on the NFL. So they've got – now, you know – NFL team in Vegas is not going to be successful by tourists like you and I going down and saying, let's go to an NFL game. You know, there'll be a hardcore group of fans down there that they'll do well with, but it'll be instantaneous for the NFL. And the NHL are going to have two years to really try and make as many inroads and develop as many loyal fans as they can. And they've probably got a base down there. And, you know, Lord knows if this is accurate, but... So let's say they've got 10,000 hockey fans and they, they want to build from that. 
Well, now they get ten thousand with the prospect of building it to twelve. Well, one of the guys who used to play for you with the Real McCoys, Ryan Christie, he was on here some time ago. We had him on the show because he played for Las Vegas in the IHL, the and Wranglers. He, and he said, "You know what? They no, they they drew okay. They drew, I think he said five or six thousand a night. They had a pretty loyal fan base. So there is there is a small but very loyal group of fans down there. And I really believe, I have come to believe in recent months." that a large segment of who is going to be in the arena every night is going to be a chunk of people from whichever team is playing against Las Vegas that night. If it's the Toronto Maple Leafs, there's going to be 5,000 Leaf fans who fly to Vegas and make a three-day thing of it and go to the Leaf game in the middle of it. Or, and, and that will cover literally, I believe, every single city across North America that has an NHL team. Columbus, doesn't matter. Everywhere that they play in Vegas, you will have four or 5,000 of those people down there. But, Don, if there was, I got to believe there was a an expectation that, yeah, there may be an NFL team that will come here at some point, but we will have some time to build it up while we are the only show in town. And you're not getting that at all. Even though they're not playing in Vegas, the Raiders yet, as far as I'm, con- I'm sure that as far as Vegas people are convinced now, the Raiders are already Vegas' team. They're just not in Las Vegas. All the attention is going to be on the Raiders. There will be shirts available by the end of the week. I'm sure. And they will outsell the NHL team. 40 to 1. I was going to say 20 to 1. Why don't we throw some odds out of talking about Vegas. And and the the NHL team is not going to have that luxury. It's going to affect them. But I think you're right. I mean, a lot of... Like I'd said, th- there could be ten thousand fans there, and you know, and, and Christie would know the market, right? He's saying there's five or six thousand people there. That was for a minor league team, I grant you. Willing to pay twelve, fifteen dollars a night, you know, maybe some comps from some hotels, you know, to run that team properly, you got to get a hundred bucks a ticket. So, you know, the the demographics a little bit different, and the snack brackets a lot higher. But I think you're right about the three to five thousand people a night. There's going to be all kinds of I've never done it, but lots of guys have their stag parties there. And if there's a bunch of guys from Toronto and the Leafs are going to be in town that time or Edmonton, they're all going to be hooked up around that. And Foley, who owns the team, owns a big hotel. And you know they're going to have super packages if you bring your bachelor party here. And, you know, so I, I think be they'll... be the drunkest drink in the NHL, I'll tell you that. It, <laughs> it, it may well be. And there may be a lot of empty seats because they don't make it to the game. But the tickets will be sold. But... There, it, there will be absolutely no comparison in the success co- uh, when you stack it up against an NFL team because they have to build it and they don't. They needed the luxury of five to six years to do that, and that's been cut short. So they'll they'll get on their horse and they'll pound it harder. But I, I I'm sure that uh, some of the people with the uh, Golden Knights were up on their shoes when the announcement was made. Because the other point is, for ticket sales, for season ticket sales. There may have been people, Don Robertson, if he lived in Las Vegas, may have been saying, you know what, I, yeah, we, it's about time we got a team. I'll, I'll buy season tickets. I'll try the NHL. Or I'll split it up with three other I'll guys. I'll split it up with three other guys, and we'll try the NHL. And then all of a sudden today they see the NFL is coming and go, oh, maybe I better save my dough because I'd rather. And you know what, I will bet you that season tickets will be on sale for that team in about 10 minutes from now. Yes, sir. And so you're going to have to put some money down on that as well and lock in your season tickets. I, I just looked at this today and I said, I don't care what kind of smiley, happy face the NHL puts on this. This has got to be a horrible day for the NHL 
when the big daddy of sports comes and settles in right beside you and you haven't even started yet? Well, you know, you're talking about um, Zeke and Bubba buying season tickets and, and, and the average Joe out there. The thing that's just crossed my mind is that they're trying to sell um, luxury suites. And every big hotel and every big company down there is going, whoa, 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 wait a minute. That's even more important than the... We haven't signed our 10-year deal with the Golden... um, What are they? they? Golden Golden Knights. Golden Knights. Yep. And the Raiders are coming to town. Wait a minute. We're going to get a super suite at the NFL games. But now, yeah, if it's five hundred grand a year, five hundred mm-hmm. grand a year, what are we going to spend it on? Am I going to lock in on five years with the hockey, or or am I going to say to the hockey guys, well, we'll do it for two years? Well, the difference is though, the difference will be the big guys will need both in all probability because there's only it's only twelve. What is there? Twelve home games? Uh, no, for the NFL, eight, eight plus yeah, an they exhibition. Play Sixteen. So yeah, so there's yeah, so they got nine, maybe say ten games a year if they're in the playoffs, maybe. So, you know, the NHL have got 10 times that, plus playoffs, plus uh, exhibition. So there's a lot more inventory regarding games with the NHL. But I'll tell you, I, I think down there, the NFL is going to be a lot more sexy than the NHL oh, is. I, I, as I say, I just I looked at this, and I, you're right. I think your description of it was absolutely exact. I think there were probably some people with the NHL that did barf on their shoes a little today when they heard this news because they can try and put a happy spin on it. But this made their work... 10 times harder, and this makes it so much, in my mind, so much more important that Vegas is not an expansion team when they get started. They've almost got to win. They can't come out there and win eight games in their first year. They've got to be a competitive team right off the bat because if you have two years of being a crappy expansion team and you say, oh, by the third year, though, everyone will be on board with us. By year three, everyone's now turning their attention to the NFL. You can't have two bad years now and then trust the usual process that we'll build towards something because you can't. You can't. I haven't I haven't uh, studied it, read it, or been all that interested in the expansion draft. The NHL have said they're not gonna. We're not gonna do what we did to the other guys that gave us three hundred million. You know how we screwed them over and didn't give them a chance. Yeah. For five hundred million, we're gonna help you. We're gonna let Vegas be competitive right off the bat. And they had a list, I'm sure, of criteria of how you have to follow it. And the instant that was read by the NHL general managers, they were looking for loopholes. So there's going to be a whole lot of Scott Radleys and Don Robertsons available in the NHL expansion draft. Let's put it this way. Sidney Crosby and Connor McDavid are not suddenly going to end up as Golden Knights. I don't think so. No. That would have been very helpful. There won't be any team in the National Hockey League that has to give up a top six forward or a top four defenseman. And tell me how they're going to make the playoffs. Like you're not, if you've got eight top five defensemen, good luck. That'll put you where? Uh, geez, tied with... Uh, Phoenix. Yeah, eight bottom five defensemen. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's a, it looked like it, it just looks like it was a horrible, horrible day for the NHL today. And I'm, it's unfortunate because, look, the last thing we need, if you're a hockey fan, is another franchise that's flagging. We've got the Arizona Coyotes that we all know about that. There are other teams that, you know, Brooklyn now doesn't apparently have an arena for the future down the road and on and on. There are enough teams that have enough problems. The last thing, why you would want to suddenly create a new one. But I can give you 500 million reasons thank, why. Thank you very much. Quick break. Back after this on the Scott Radley Show. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show, weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900 CHML.
the Yukon Huskies. Now, I don't know how many people out there keep up with women's college basketball. Uh, but the Yukon Huskies, who are the team of Kia Nurse Hamilton woman, who they have won, I think now, 115 games in a row, something like that. Their first round game in the women's NCAA March Madness tournament they won by 55 points, and I think there were something like, of the 64 teams, something like 15 of the teams in the tournament didn't score 55 points, and they won, but that was their margin of victory in their first game. They have just clobbered everyone. Now their next game, which I believe is tonight, they play. If they win tonight, they go to the Final Four. They're playing, they're a top seed, of course, number one seed. They're playing a team that is a double-digit seed. I mean... Buster Douglas beating Mike Tyson would be nothing as far as upsets go compared to UConn losing tonight. If UConn loses tonight, this would be, I'm not being funny, this would be the biggest upset in the history of sports, perhaps. They should win by so much tonight that it's unfathomable. And Don, my question becomes with this, as I look at this... Is it good for sports? Our dynasties, and I'm not just saying UConn. Well, this discussion has come up before. Are dynasties good for sports? Is it good when the Yankees win? They don't right now, but when they were winning every single year. Is it good when Tiger, Tiger Woods wins every tournament or is involved in leading every tournament? Is it good for sports when there are teams out there that are this good? I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I, I enjoy it. I enjoyed seeing this week who was going to take a crack at Tiger Woods and have the uh, have the tournament of his lifetime. You know, Tiger was likely going to win it. And um, when you, somebody, somebody's going to beat UConn. Someday. It's going to happen. Yeah, well, they will lose eventually. And the Harlem Globetrotters will lose someday too, and the other team will all get fired. But The Globetrotters like, might lose before UConn, though. <laughs> well, they should play each other. <laughs> they, um, that, that would actually be pretty interesting. Um, the double-digit team have obviously risen to the occasion on more than uh, one game in this tournament to get there. I mean, when you get to the final four, obviously, this is good math, you're in the top four. Yep. But if you're double digits, you, you have knocked off some pretty fierce competitors. Yeah, they're in the final eight, the elite eight right now. The winner of tonight's game goes to, go the, to final the final four. four and... Uh, and they're playing against Oregon, who is a number ten seed. So it's it's it, it might be in in your humble opinion the biggest upset in sports. It may not be the most notable upset. No, in no, sports. no, no. Clearly not. Clearly, it doesn't. As far as being earth shaking, it doesn't. It would not reach the level of Buster Douglas beating Mike Tyson. I'm not suggesting that. I'm just saying as far as. It's, the the difference in expectations, the difference in ability. I think I, I don't find anything wrong with dynasties because they generally come and go. Now this this one happens to be particularly long, and what happens is when you're Yukon and the coach phones. And by the way, I want to say that's Yukon as in U University of Connecticut. Not everyone thinks when we talk about that is Yukon. Oh, like no, the, I don't. the key is playing way up somewhere near the North Pole. No, <laughs> no, it's 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 U, she's University used to the of cold Connecticut. Yes, but no, yes, but when that coach calls. And the kid hangs up the phone. They're going to say, you're not going to believe who called. You know those other two people that called and the one I committed to? Yeah, well, lose their number. So they're <laughs> exactly. getting all the top players. All of them. And that's hard to that's hard to change unless the coach l- leaves. 
mm-hmm. and goes somewhere else and says, I'm going to do this now in South Carolina. You watch me. It's not the university. It's the way we run our program. And I didn't like what they were doing. And I'm going to do the same thing here. And that's where everybody's going to. And that's how they end. Now, the, the interesting thing with university basketball or university sports, it's not like pro sports. It's not like the Chicago Blackhawks and the L.A. Kings where their core is getting older and they haven't backfilled them enough. University, they don't get too old to play. No, but that's why, usually, that's why university teams can't build dynasties because you've got only four years and then they're gone. Whereas if you get Magic Johnson and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and James Worthy and Byron Scott and Michael Cooper and all these guys, or Larry Bird and Robert Parrish and Kevin McHale and Dennis Johnson and all these guys in the Celtics, or Michael J- Michael Jordan and De- and Scottie Pippen, and you can have those guys together for eight, nine, ten years. And in college basketball, that's why this has been so unusual, because every single year, UConn backfills with two or three more of the best high school players. London Knights. London Knights. Different way. They do it a different way. But they yes. do it a different way. But, it, but but when you're up near the top, it's a lot easier when you make those phone calls. I remember being when the Real McCoys were on top for so long. You'd phone up and, you know. And Rick Vive answers. Go talk. Uh, Rick Vive answers. You know, go uh, Jay McKee answers. Well, talk to those other teams. But if you want to play in a winner, you're going to play in Dundas. You know, and that's a tremendous thing that you've got to offer. So they can structure those things that that they can bring the young kids in, and they get the cream of the crop. They do. Now, they, by the way, it's 110 games, not 114. I've given well, them too much credit. But it, the, it was it. 109 last week when they were talking about it on the radio, and I didn't know how many they'd played. So I do, I do have some. But knowledge. is it is it good though for the sport? See, I I, I don't have a problem with with dynasties. Because you either love the dynasty or you hate the dynasty, but one way or another, you're going to be passionate about the sport. It's going to create interest. When the Yankees were great, when the Red Sox were great, when the Red Sox are great. Well, yeah, but here, but here, you want to see them. Your passion may not even be for your team to win; it's to see them lose. We're talking about dynasties. There's two ways to build them. Uh, university teams have to build them through hard work and wonderful recruiting. When the Yankees and Reggie Jackson and Thurman Munson and then the next wave and then the next wave, they did it because they were spending more money more money on their, well, let's put it this way, they were spending more money on their training staff than some teams were paying their players. They were spending $200 million when some teams were paying twenty five. I have no respect for a dynasty that just walks out and buys it. The 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 uh, Red Sox did that for a while. Now they're starting to learn that it's a little bit better if you build the staff up and you build an organization. But when you just flat out buy it, then I have no respect for that. And you can do that in pro sports. Some, some. But what they've done with the ad, well, and the, and baseball have a salary cap. No, baseball doesn't have a salary cap. That's I, why they I'm, can do it. Yeah, I'm sorry, they don't have a salary cap. Basketball do, but you can buy your way out of that salary cap if you have enough money. Yep. The NFL or the NHL have a hard cap. That may upset some people. The, the Leafs have now had to do it the hard way instead of paying a guy as much as um, Ray Bork made 10 years ago. Let's pay this guy as much as Ray Bork. Maybe he'll be as good as him. I mean, they wasted a lot of money. Now you've got to be pretty smart about it. University just flat out recruiting and coaching. Well, most of them. <laughs> There's a few that well, might actually put a few bucks towards some of their players, but that's I mean, not right, what we're so, talking so the, about so here. So there's different kind of dynasties. It's a lot easier to respect people that do it the hard working way versus the people who go out and buy it. 
uh, by the way, in the second quarter right now with five minutes left, uh, Connecticut is up by 15. So they probably will not hit their 60-point margin of victory in this one, but barring something goofy happening. Outside of a roof collapse or in Something like that, yeah. But I just, this to me is the one that I find harder, that I find harder. I'm, I'm okay with dynasties. I like dynasties, even when I hate the dynasty itself. I, I like the concept of it. I never had a problem when Tiger Woods was in the, the mix every single Sunday wearing the red shirt. That to me was, all right, you want to beat him? Great. And when you beat him, that makes it more valuable. That makes the, I was watching a movie the other day and it was a silly movie. And one of the lines, they were talking about having a bad day. And they said, we want to have bad days because when you have a bad day, it makes the good days better, that much better. If you beat the dynasty, that makes your victory so much better than if you beat up on some cruddy team that happened to squeak through. But this one, I'll be honest with you. I, I, it's not that I'm against this one. It's just, I find it, this is a different argument almost. And I'm not down on UConn. I'm not down on Key Nurse. In fact, I think I applaud the coach. If you can recruit this many great players, good for you. It's just when you get up to 110 wins and you know you're going to win. There's, there's one team that's left in this tournament that possibly could give UConn some difficulty. And next year... Yeah, but they're in the boys' brackets. No, no, no. And next year, they've got the top high school girl coming in, and the top player in the States who was going to Duke sat out this year because she's transferring to UConn. They've got a six foot six power forward coming in for women's basketball. They're going to be better <laughs> next year. And I look at it, and I think, okay, you know what? Good for Kia Nurse that she could potentially finish her university career. Next year, she's a senior. She could potentially finish her university career with one loss in her whole career. And that was by two points in double overtime in her third game of her first year. That could be her last loss. That's remarkable. If it, if you put it in some kind of context for the University of Connecticut and to tell you how good they are and, and, and to use some of my theory from earlier, if they call, we're taking the call. They found Key and Nurse playing high school, I'm sure, in Hamilton. Yeah, St. Thomas More, yeah. Now, they saw her through Team Ontario and things, but, yeah, they became... But she's a Hamilton kid yep. playing on the elite, the most powerful women's NCAA basketball team. That gives you some some concept of the uh, tentacles that this university has and the bird dogs that they've got by saying, you got to come and see this kid that plays in Hamilton. And you got to watch her. I mean, she'll work in your program. They, they're digging guys. They're digging young gals up out of Hamilton. I mean, you may know this. You you may you may have wrote about her. How excited is the family when they get that phone call? Sure, of course. Here's the one way. You mentioned the one way that this team can lose, and that's if the coach leaves. There's one other way that this team finally starts losing some games or loses occasionally, which doesn't seem likely to be happening. And that is, if you can remember back to about 1992 or three with University of Michigan, where they got the Fab Five, the five of the best high school boys players in the States all decided together. They knew each other from different off-season things. And they all decided, we're going to go somewhere together, come in as freshmen together. And they had, Michigan had five freshman starters who were all stars, and they went to the NCAA championship game two straight years. If five of the best high school girl players in the States all decided to do that and go to a different university, maybe this, this happens. But again, to my point, 
I don't have a problem with dynasties. I don't, I, I don't have the same upset that some people do where they say this is horrible for the sport. In fact, the TV station in New York City that, and Connecticut that have been showing UConn women's basketball has been drawing higher ratings than for the Knicks. It's not, I don't know if that says more about the Knicks. Or- it probably does, but it's, it suggests that it's not bad to have a dynasty because you're either rooting for them to keep going or you are rooting desperately against them to finally lose. Well, television golf ratings are way down with Tagger out. Absolutely. And so it tells you that, you know what, a lot of people say they don't like dynasties. They don't like when one person, one team keeps beating up on everyone else. But the numbers would actually suggest, no, you you really do. You You're just right. don't know you do. It's a combination of both. It's a combination of people watching golf, hoping Woods loses, as many as it is cheering for him to kick somebody's butt all over the golf course again. It's a combination of both of them. Just got an email saying, please don't mention the Patriots. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? Look, the New York, the New England Patriots, hate them or not, it's the same thing. Now, the, for whatever reason, well, there are reasons. It's not that difficult to figure out. But the Patriots are a dynasty. Then again, I look at, and I'm not a huge Patriots fan, although I have grown to very much respect Tom Brady, and so I can live with their winning. I used to hate it. But man, you know, the, it, how many people are watching the NFL week after week or tuning in just because they want to see the Patriots lose. They want to see Bill Belichick look sour. A lot. Interest- that doesn't hurt the sport. Interestingly enough, I'm sure you're absolutely right because it's, it's just human nature. I'll bet you those guys that are playing pro line or betting online are really of mixed emotions because they've picked them to win because they know they likely will and they hate them. As long as I keep winning. Quick break. Back after this on the Scott Radley Show. You're listening to The Scott Radley Show, weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900 CHML. Don, local story that I found really interesting today, and this would be something that would be right in your wheelhouse. I wrote this for tomorrow's paper, um, but also we had Steve Steos, who's the president and the general manager of the Hamilton Bulldogs on here last week before they launched into their first ever playoffs. By the way, they're up 2-0 over Kingston. They play at home tomorrow and Thursday. Um, He has a son who is very talented. Very highly rated, elite level minor midget, eligible for the OHL draft this coming in a week from now, roughly. And he is expected to go somewhere in the first round, probably, maybe if everything goes weird, he might slip into early in the second round. But he is a very highly rated defenseman. A lot of scouts love this kid. Nathan Steos is his name. You will hear his name again because he is a very, very good player. But Steve Steo says, he's the guy who makes the draft picks for Hamilton. And he says, under no circumstances will the Hamilton Bulldogs draft Nathan Steos for a variety of reasons, but it's just way too complicated a situation. Is that a smart move? Or is that overlooking a potential key player that you could add to your roster? Well, he's not a, he's, he's not a can't-miss player. Um, so he's not a Connor McDavid. Yeah. I mean, he's, well, I haven't seen him play based on what you've just said. No. I mean, if he was Connor McDavid, he certainly, I mean, uh, Sherry Basson got an exemption so he could draft uh, Connor McDavid as a four-year-old. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and, but. It's, but that's different. It, it, You're right. It, that would be different. If he, if you had the first pick overall on a generational player, that would be a tougher question. Yeah. You don't give it up. And I don't know who it's harder on. What do you mean? I don't know if it's harder on the organization or harder on the player. 
Well, the reason... Like, is he making that decision? It's it's interesting, and and I have the utmost respect for Steve Stales. Is he making that decision in the best interest of his son, so he's not in that situation? Or is he making that statement in the best interest of the Hamilton Bulldog organization, so he's not in that position? And I think there's two different ways you have to look at it. Well, I think he's saying it's both. He's saying it's both. The first for his son, his son wants to go somewhere and be able to play and make a name for himself without having the feeling that someone's going to think that he got a favor or was basically handed a spot on the team because he's the president's and the general manager's kid. That won't be the case because he's too highly thought of and he's going to play in the league no matter what. So, I mean, it's not like uh, you coaching a a rep team in in Ancaster and and picking up your son who has no business being on the team. It's entirely different. The kid's going to be able to play in the league. But from an organizational standpoint, does the pressure does the coach need that pressure? Well, whether, don't forget whether it's spoken or not. Don't forget who his coach is. His coach, John Gruden, is the guy who was the coach in Flint last year, who was fired twice in the same season because of reports that he didn't give the owner's kid enough playing time. So there are there there is precedence to say that it's difficult to have to coach. An owner, a president, well, a whoever's It's not kid. Michael Andelar's son, but I, I understand No, but he's the St- Steve Steos' son. The, the president of the team, If I don't, he may be thinking, if I don't play that kid enough, are there eyeballs looking at me burning a hole in the back of my head because I'm not giving his kid a fair shake? That, that may not be fair. Steve, Steve Steos has got way more class than that suspended over owner of the Flint Firebirds, but I understand it's it's worth bringing up the point. I think it's, it's happened a, before is all I'm saying. Sure it is, and, and, and Gruden's going to go, well, I feel pretty comfortable about this, and he's going to lay in bed some night looking at the ceiling going, the kid only got two shifts last night, <laughs> right? I mean, it's it, it. everybody can be fine with it, but it's still going to be the elephant in the room if things don't go as well as quickly as you want to. I think it's an outstanding decision from the father, as a father and from an organizational standpoint because the light's going to be shone on him here. He's going to be far better, although it won't be very handy for, for, for Steos, the Steve, to watch his kid play. But he might be better off in Sudbury or the Sioux or See, I'm thinking he's probably Flint. hoping maybe Miss, Mississauga or somewhere that he doesn't yeah, so have to drive nine hours yeah, to get so to. so they can pound the snot out of him. But if it gets too good. Th- where this would become a really interesting situation, and we touched on it at the beginning, is this kid is, as I say, he's very well thought of. I talked to a number of scouts and coaches today who have nothing but good things to say about him. And All looking for a job in Hamilton. Things no, don't go and, well and in fact, them. John Gruden, I talked to John Gruden today, and he said, look, we, this is a kind of player we would love to have on our team. He's a really, he's that kind of player. He would be helpful to any team in the OHL. Where this would become really interesting is that if, as you described, he was Connor McDavid or he was Eric Lindros and you, he's a generational player and you have the first pick and this is a guy that could turn your franchise around and now you are the president or you're the owner and you say, and it's your kid and you go, I need you to take this kid. L- let me tell you how this works, if that's the case. You fire the coach. <laughs> Steve Steos goes to Mike Landlar and says, I know my son is the next Sidney Crosby, but it would look bad if we took him. So I'm not going to make that decision. And Mike Landlar would say, I wouldn't have it any other way. As the new owner and general manager, I'll pick him. Good luck finding a job somewhere. I mean, you can't go to the owner. You can't bypass that guy. And and Steos wouldn't. 
No. I, I think he's making a real sound decision. I was kidding about the scouts, right? But he's making a very sound decision from all aspects of it as far as I'm concerned. He can trade for him. The only, the only, Down the road, he can trade for him. The only place. We just got a minute or so left here. The only way this thing becomes an issue somehow is if, for whatever reason, he were to start sliding down the draft board and you get up for your second or your third pick and he is so far ahead of all the players who are left on the board. For whatever reason, he has fallen to you and it's your pick. And he, you had him ranked as the 15th best player in the league and it's now your 30th pick. And he's still there for whatever reason. That's where it might become interesting then because what do we do now? Based on what you'd said earlier about you didn't, nobody wants it to look like it was a favor. If he was supposed to go 15th and you could get him 30th, now it looks like a favor. I think then it gets worse. Mm, but it would bode well for that age-old thing. We can't believe he was still available. That's true. The pick. That would actually that would We actually had him be ranked true. in the top three, and we picked him up 47th. We couldn't be happier. That would be the one time that would be true. The Scott Radley Show, weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900. AM 900 CHML.